Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I realize I'm like, you know, what am I doing? I'm kind of killing myself for very little money and it's sucking the fun out of it. And if I'm going to do this, let's just follow her rule. So I did. I upped my pricing to $1,200 as my smallest package at the time, my largest package being $2,000. And I would say after that year, right after I did that, my first two sales were $2,000. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Bethany Joes, and we really pack a lot of information into this episode. Bethany started her business shooting in her family room in Fargo, North Dakota, and she really has grown her business into such a successful portrait studio despite living in a pretty small town. So instead of looking at living in this small town as a barrier, she found ways to really use this to her advantage. So Bethany takes us through how she went from charging only $200 for a CD of all of the photos to now charging thousands of dollars for her full-service photo shoots. And I have to say that I really love how Bethany shares how she started out because it was not the most glamorous beginning, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. I know I certainly can. But Bethany puts so much care into her shoots that her clients really felt glamorous, which is just so great and so important in this service industry that we're part of. So I'm really excited to bring this episode with Bethany to you today, and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Bethany. How are you? I'm good, Nikki. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you about everything with your business and just how you got to the point where you're at today. Oh, well, thank you for having me on the podcast today. Of course. All right. So I know you are just a super successful photographer, and I'm sure people out there are wondering how you got to that point, because I know you weren't always a super successful photographer, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> so take us back. Take us back before you you know, had the success and tell us your story of how you got to be where you're at today. Oh, sure. Well, I kind of follow the same story as Sue. I wasn't a high school dropout, but I was a college dropout. So I never really finished, you know, my education. I really didn't Mm -hmm. know what I wanted to do. When I met my now husband, I moved to Fargo, North Dakota to live here. And I just started taking like the serving jobs, you know, so I was a waitress for a while. I worked in the bar for a while until I found a receptionist job at an IT company. And that's really kind of where most of my career stayed. When I started as a receptionist, I also had an art background. So I started doing their marketing pieces and started doing their website back when it was all HTML and coding, which led me then into their training 
program and kind of worked my way up the ladder there until I was in their marketing department. So that's where I spent many of my years. But then along the way, I also learned all the IT stuff. So I was configuring routers. I was, you know, troubleshooting computers and printers. And I stayed that way for since about 1997 until around 2003. In 2003, I started my own IT company, and that was with IP Surveillance. So Ah, we basically configured cameras, put them in gas stations, convenience stores, retail stores, and then we stored all of the video remotely on servers. I was pretty much a geek. Anything that dealt with networking or coding or routers or or things like that, that was my world. And really, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it very, very much because we were capturing criminals, you know? So I felt like I was wearing my superhero cape. Um, right. Where That's every, cool. Anytime we would bust somebody. So you've seen my video on Dateline. You've seen it on maybe some local news stations because we had clients all over the world and we've been involved with murder investigations and robberies and, wow. and things like that. So, I mean, it was, it was a little bit like playing, you know, Superwoman for a while, but it was never a creative release for me. Mm-hmm. And that was when my children were younger. I believe my daughter was right around three years old when I you know, was taking pictures one day. And I just got so frustrated with you know, things getting blurry. And, and you know, those were those little point-and-shoot cameras. Yeah. And you would take a picture, and by the time it snapped, they were halfway across the room. Or the funny face that they were making was gone. And I just got super frustrated with that. And so my husband bought me my first semi-professional camera right around that time, just so that I could take better pictures of my family. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, my love for capturing moments and everything started. But being a photographer was certainly not on my radar at that point. It was more so just to have those pictures. And then I would share those pictures on Facebook. And I think I joined Facebook in 2009. So that was, you know, a few years before I started sharing those pictures. I started sharing those pictures maybe in 2012, 2011, somewhere in there. And my friends and family were saying, oh, you should be a photographer. Yeah. You take really good pictures. Would you take pictures of my family? And you know when things kind of scare you? Or you're unsure <laughs> about certain things. It's like, you yep. know, you're you just the hairs stand up on your arm and you're like, why would I do that? You know, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm not a photographer. Why would I do that? I don't, I couldn't do that for you. What if I screw it up? <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I played with that idea, but it was more, I was having fun with it and I was getting back to my art roots and I was putting flowers in my daughter's hair and I was shooting in my living room. And I was enjoying what I was doing, and I had no intention of making it a business. But it took about a year. And about a year later, I decided, you know, maybe this could be kind of my side hustle. Just something fun to do, maybe earn Mm -hmm. a few extra dollars doing it and helping out, you know, families. You know, my friends that I knew, I certainly wasn't thinking of taking on anybody I didn't know. (laughs) But uh, I did that for about a year. And I realized that that was not where my heart was. In North Dakota, we have maybe 
four, five months tops where it's nice enough outside right, to yeah. do the, those photographs. And then it's pretty much, you know, a blizzard and minus, <laughs> minus zero degrees. The um, photos you always post of the snow and like how you're snowed in and like the huge snow drifts. I'm always like, oh, I'm in Michigan, so we get snow, but you get it like... Right? You get hammered with it. It's crazy. I know. I know. And last year was crazy because we were doing hair and makeup in my studio one day. And I'm like, why is it so dark in here? And I opened up the curtains and the snowbank was all the way almost to the top <laughs> oh, of the window. God. And, you know, oh, we had, had three blizzards within like a week and a half period. So it just kept right. piling up and piling up. So yeah, I mean, weather not is not conducive big, to outside shooting whatsoever. Not at all. Not at all. And, right. you know, and even then having to drag my gear and, you know, and, and I am not knocking people that do outdoor photography or on location photography because, you know, more power to them. Because for me, that was just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Packing up the car and making sure I found a location that was going to work for the client. And I'm not big on going out and scouting locations. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people live for that stuff. And I, that's just not me. Same. And yeah, I don't want to have to deal with the wind or uh -huh. if it's super <laughs> sunny trying to find open shade. It was just, you know, it sucked all the fun out of it for me. At that point, after about a year, I'm I'm like, you know what? This just isn't for me. I think I'm going to call it quits. And right around that time is when I discovered Sue. And she was on Creative Live at that time with 28 Days. And it was also right around the time when you and Jill had done that documentary with mm -hmm. Sue in Paris. Mm -hmm. A Light That Shines or yep. something like that. Yep, The Light That Shines. Yep. Yes. And... Oh my gosh, I watched that and it was just like this light bulb went off above my head. And I'm like, this, this speaks to me. This is what I want to do. I was already kind of doing that with my daughter with like that glamour kind of staging the photos and putting stuff in her hair and putting her in tool skirts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is exactly what I want to do. So I right then and there just switched gears. I am no longer doing families in the park. I'm not dealing with that anymore. And I'm like, how do I get this started? And I had a friend, she's been a, a you know an acquaintance, I guess, of mine for a number of years, but she had recently lost some weight and she was very outgoing. I wanted to take a picture of her and practice, or basically, I guess you could call this my first folio build. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see how it went and I told her what I wanted to do. And asked her if she knew anybody that did hair and makeup that could come and, and have a play date with us. And, and it took three months. She said no to me over and over and over again. She's like, no, nobody takes pictures of me. She's like, the only oh, pictures the people yeah. that take of me are the mandatory like holiday pictures. And even then you have to twist my arm. Um, but eventually she said yes. And so I had them over to my home. And we did hair and makeup at the kitchen table. And then I set up, I think at that time, I only had fabric and my armoire, the TV console. Oh, for your backdrops? For my backdrops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So I hung fabric from just basically this, this TV cabinet and it stood her in front of it and just played yeah. a little bit. And, and, you know, I look back at those pictures now and I'm like, eek. <laughs> what, 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 what was I thinking? 
But at the time, I'm like, yeah, yeah this is we awesome. all start somewhere. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we just did. It was just a fun day. There was no expectations. We just played with different pieces of fabric. I didn't have a wardrobe collection at that time. So she brought some things that she wanted to wear. I played with some scarves and things like that. And that's really where it began. And then once I had those images, I'm like, let's see if I can get some more people in to do that because Sue was talking about building that portfolio and showing people before you go out and sell. Right. And I'm like, I cannot do this, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. I only had maybe three or four good shots from that play date. Mm -hmm. And there's no way I could go out there and market with that. So I got a hold of a couple more friends and said, do you want to come and have a play date? And they're probably my biggest cheerleaders to this day. That friend that I had over for the very first folio build, she's my assistant now. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So she does, she does the wardrobe coordination. She does all of the behind the scenes video, the B-roll. So yeah, it's just kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, that's really cool. And then my friends that came in, you know, I eventually started building that. And this was really before all of Sue's, you know, the Sue Bryce education. Mm-hmm. So I think we were groundbreakers, right? Because you and I started about the same time. Right. Or I started shortly after you did. And we didn't have those step-by-step rules and in, in how to do that. So we kind of had to figure it out ourselves a little bit. So I did. I started just offering little discounts here and there for the, having them come in. They paid for their hair and makeup, mm-hmm. and then I offered them really cheap prints. Yeah, that's what I did too. I started out where I said, you cover your hair and makeup, and I didn't do even sell prints. I just gave them the digitals when I was initially building my folio. But I did the same thing where they paid for hair and makeup. Sometimes they just went to the Nordstrom counter. My one friend did it herself. Yeah, just so I didn't like go and, you know, break the bank when I was first starting out. Right. Yeah. Right. I totally understand that because, you know, I didn't have money to spend on a hair and makeup artist. Mm -hmm. But the people that I contacted, they had no problem spending, you know, $150 to have just a fun day. Yeah. And then I would, like you said, I would either give them the images or as I was rolling it out, I decided I was going to do that over, I think it was like a six-month rollout where if you sign up for this month, you're going to get 50% off prints. But you know what? Back then it was like, I went from charging 50 to $250 for a CD of digitals. So product to me was alien. I didn't understand it. I didn't know where to go get them printed. I didn't know how much to charge. I just knew what everybody else was charging. So I was still only charging like $12 for like an eight by 10 (laughs) print, right? So when I would roll this out, I'm like, if you sign up this month and do your shoot, you can get 50% off of your prints. Well, that was like $6 a print. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? Right. So people easily signed up for that. And then the next month would be 40% off prints. The next month would be 30% off prints until I kind of eventually got down to my promotion is ending this month. Prints will be full price after this date. So I got about... 30 people, 30 women to 30, come to wow. my home studio. Yeah, to my home studio over that six month period. So I had a full portfolio that I could use for marketing. Right. But you were still working with your video business, right? 
I was. I was. I actually have been up until two years ago. As you've got 30 people now lined up to come in, are you like getting excited? Oh my gosh, I might be able to do this full time. Or are you scared? Or, you know, what's happening in your mind at this time? Yeah. So it was a little mind boggling at first that there'd be so many women that were interested in this because I was very fearful of doing this in Fargo. Fargo's not a big city. Right. We're a smaller community and everybody that I had been seeing through Sue and through her education were in these large metro areas. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, Fargo's not that big. And I don't know how many people would sign up for this. And number two, I no one in this area is going to spend that kind of money. Ah, uh, yeah. A lot of people feel that way about small towns. Right. And of course, we, we know now that was all our mindset. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was very real. It was, it was a big fear of mine that, you know, I could not make a full-time business out of this. It would have to stay a hobby or, or just a sideline kind of thing because, you know, at $50 a CD or $250 a CD or even moving to prints, I couldn't charge more than $100 a print and nobody's going to spend $1,000 for yeah. their images with me in Fargo. Yeah. And I lived with that mindset through the first year of learning from Sue until I realized I'm like, you know, what am I doing? I'm kind of killing myself for very little money. Yeah. And it's kind of the sucking the fun out of it. And if I'm going to do this, let's just follow her rule. So I did. I upped my pricing to $1,200 as my smallest package at the time. What made you, though, decide like, all right, I can do it. Like, I know you said you were scared and you didn't know, but what was like the turning point? Did you have an aha moment? You know, I did. I did. And it freaked me out. So I was still shooting in my home. I shot in my living room for that first year. And towards the end of that year is where I made that switch. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do what she says, charge her minimum pricing, so my smallest package being twelve hundred, mm -hmm. my largest package being two thousand, and I would say after that year, right after I did that, the next two sales. Oh, and I also went to the printed reveal. That was oh, another right. yeah. block for me. So I went to the printed reveal, but I didn't have a wall, so I just laid everything out on futons and couches and on the floor just so that they could see everything. And my first two sales were $2,000. Isn't that crazy? Each. I love that. And I love that you've said that you didn't have a wall because I didn't have a wall either. Okay, so for yeah. people out there, a reveal wall is something that Sue kind of coined where you have a wall in your space, whether it's in your house or your studio, where you display the prints. And I didn't have one either. I didn't even have a studio for my first couple big sales. And so I had a folio box that I printed them out, wrapped it up with a tool ribbon, and then set it a Starbucks. And they opened up the photos and took it out one by one. So it's like you don't need to have this like beautiful wall. No. I mean, of course, it's great if you can afford it, if it's in the cards, if you have the space. But if not, don't feel like, you know, you have right. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, you don't, absolutely don't need to have it. And when they saw their images, you know, they had tears. And of course, I freaked out right away <laughs> because I sold my top package that I immediately offered them a discount. Did you really? After they already said yes, yeah. <laughs> after they already said yes to the $2,000 because I'm like, oh my God, they, oh, I can't have them spend that much. Yeah. Oh my, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, 
a lot of people have done that. I've done it too, where I, I've like stopped a sale where I'm like, well, maybe, you know, I'll just throw these in. Like they didn't say they didn't want to spend that much. No one yeah, said anything. And, and I'm like, oh, you can just have all of them for that price. Like right? it's so ridiculous. Just, <laughs> it, it It is. But, you know, I think it's just, we're so caught off guard because mm-hmm. um, we're not anticipating selling our biggest package. And when they do, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, now what? Right, right. <laughs> Well, just shut up and take the money. That's yeah. me now, you know, but it took that first couple to really make me realize that I can do this. Mm-hmm. And it was really as shortly after those two sales, I would say maybe even just a month or two after those two big sales where an opportunity presented itself to share a studio with another photographer about three blocks from my house. Oh, nice. So I'm like, I know I can do this now and I know I can afford the rent and rent. I'm sorry, but rent in West Fargo is cheap. Yeah, yeah, I (laughs) bet. You know, we have some older buildings. It's not, you know, a big metro city. So I think I was spent, you know, paying $350 a month to share the studio. Oh, nice. That's awesome. And that included utilities. So I'm like, I know I could do this. I have my other job to kind of back me up right. if I have any, you know, slow time. But I jumped at that chance um, because I didn't want to have to clean my living room anymore. <laughs> right. For, and let's before talk every about consultation. That. Yeah, let's talk. What yeah. was that like having a studio in your home? Because you built your business in your home, right? I did. I built my portfolio. Yeah. What was that like? It was awesome. And then there was times that weren't so awesome. Yeah. So really, you know, I loved the coziness, you know, so I'm inviting people into my home and I would have to, you know, people kind of worry about, you know, people, weird people coming into your home. If you talk to them by phone and by email, you get kind of a feel for who they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear of Minnesota nice or Wisconsin nice (laughs) or North Dakota nice. I mean, you just expect the best in people. Yeah. But I would still warn them, you know, I have a dog. So if you have any pet allergies, you know, let me know and I'll be happy to meet with you somewhere else and and things like that. But I loved inviting people into my home and shooting them in my home because if I needed anything, it was right here. Right. They could use my bathroom. We use my daughter's room as a changing area. We use the kitchen table as hair and makeup. And then I had, by that time, I had a couple polyboards. Mm-hmm. And by the time I set those up in my living room, we had maybe an eight by eight space to shoot in. And that's what I built my portfolio on. Talk to me about polyboards. So if people out there are listening and they're like, huh, what is that? Tell me about that. Yeah. So polyboards are the polystyrene boards that you can get at any local home improvement store. They're actually just home insulation sheets. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like styrofoam, but they have a coating or a covering or some kind of more rigid surface to it. So you can paint them any color you want. You can configure them as like a corner, things like that. So I use that because I didn't have a solid Mm -hmm. wall in my living room for them to stand against. Right. So I use that. And I think I started with like just a dusty pink and like a green gray pink uh, colors. So that way I could change the green gray to any color I wanted in post. So it was great. So I, I had a lot of different options for backdrops right. just by using those polyboards. Okay, cool. And then I had also a picture window so I could do backlight. Oh, yeah. Nice. I love backlight. Okay, so then here you are building your business at home. Then you said you found the $350 a month space, which is incred- an incredible price for a studio. So then what happened? Right. So I shot there for uh, almost two years. 
the first year I shared the space, but the other photographer was more of a hobby photographer, so she was never there. So I, she told me to do whatever I wanted with the space, and that's really kind of where the wardrobe started to kind of come into play, and then I could do larger groups, so I started doing more yeah. families. That's where I started my generation photos because I could have more people in there. It was wonderful because I didn't have to clean up afterwards. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to clean before. I mean, it was basically everything was there and ready for me whenever we had a shoot. And then I also started building my team while I was there because I had more and more families come in. I realized I needed some help uh, getting everybody, you know, ready. And so, and, and that's also where I found my now makeup artist because, okay, so this is a funny story. The other photographer that I shared my studio with, the hobby photographer, after a year being in the studio, she realizes she doesn't want to do the rent anymore. Would I like to take over the space by by myself? And I said, yes, absolutely. I'll go ahead and take that over. I'll sign over the lease. And as she's leaving, she said, well, you know, my, my daughter's a hair and makeup artist. Nice. <laughs> and you needed one at that time. Right? And I'm like, I needed one like right. a year ago. It's like, Deb, you know what I do, right? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? This? Why didn't you tell me this a year ago? So I met Ashley, who is now my my current makeup artist. We've been together now six years. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and then I brought on my my friend who I started doing it in my living room. I brought her on as an assistant uh, because I started shooting video, just small video clips of the shoot, so I could use those. And we're all together to this day. That's so great. We just outgrew that studio. Well, I didn't necessarily outgrow that studio. So after two years, if anyone remembers. Real quick, before you move on to your next studio, just want to go back again really quick to being at home and shooting at home. And I know you said it was hard because you had to like clean and your dog was there and that sort of thing. And I also built my business in my family room. And we were still in a home that we were renting in Seattle. And it wasn't a glamorous rental by any means. Like it had old carpet and the paint wasn't that great. And I remembered feeling like, are people going to be like judging me or like, who does she think she is like charging this much money in this space? And I hated always having to make sure my bathroom was spotless and just all of the things at home in a house. So I know for people out there who are shooting at home, my point is, is that it didn't matter. Yes, I had those feelings, but our clients, at least no one said anything to me about it. It didn't really seem to matter. It just mattered the fun that we were having and how we made them feel in that space at that time. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I have those same feelings because I don't live in a a big fancy house. It's a 1970s split level with, you know, terrible carpet and nothing's finished. (laughs) You know, we we were trying to, we're doing the big 30-year flip, (laughs) you know, on our house. So we just improve things as we go. But I don't, we don't have a fancy house. So it's like, I did. I felt a little weird at first because, you know, my my daughter's room at the time was just piled high (laughs) with toys and junk and you know she had the spongebob you know bedspread right i think at the time and and everything and i would just throw yeah. blankets over everything just so yeah. that i could minimize that um and but i was i would always greet people at the door just lightheartedly saying please you know disregard yeah, the yeah, mess yeah. we live here you know and 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 things so they get it you know because 
their households right. are exactly the same. You know, so when they would sit here and do hair and makeup at my kitchen table, I would have dirty dishes in the sink because I just didn't get a right. chance to get them done before then. Or if you have a little dog that gets excited, anybody will understand that they kind of tinkle a little <laughs> bit. Oh, no. When they get excited. Oh, so yeah. my dog would always get excited at, you know, pe- new people coming into the house. And it's always, you know, he'd bring them the, his ball and he'd run around. And I, I eventually had to start locking right. him in a bedroom during a shoot because he would want to be oh in gosh. all of the pictures. Um, because he would sit on their lap and he would just be around all the time. That's like and, Cookie Sue's dog. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Cookie, is, Cookie is pretty well behaved. <laughs> My Jack Russell is just uh, right. a ball yeah. of energy all the time. There is no off switch. So, I mean, he would get excited and he would pee on the carpet right where I'm going to be oh posing clients. Uh, so I would just throw a blanket down. I mean, what I do know. you do? All you can do is just roll with it um, and and be transparent with your clients. You know, it's just saying. Yeah, and, and that's why I wanted to bring this up is I didn't want people out there to think that we live in these like, you know, better homes and gardens, like huge, amazing homes when oh, we were my. building our portfolio. As right. long as you're comfortable having people come into your home, then you can do it at home. But like you said, it's being open. Yeah. I mean, I would say as long as it's tidy, it doesn't have to be spotless clean. As long as it's mm-hmm. tidy and it gives a feeling of them being right, safe. Right, right. That's it. That's really all that they care about. And they don't remember the dishes in the sink. They don't remember the dog peeing right. on the rug. They just remember how much fun they had. And that's what carries totally. over. And even then, when they would come back and see their images, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe these were taken yeah, in your house. Totally. You could never, um, you would never know. You yeah. would never and know. That's it. the point. Never know it. And yeah. And so they would have nothing but great reviews. And things like that. So no, and actually, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of this, but my goal is to eventually work from Mm, home again. mm -hmm. So yes, I have a big, beautiful studio now, but my goal is to bring that back to where I live. Because for me, the convenience, that's just something very important. Yeah, it is. I agree with you a lot. Like being able to be at home is just such a nice perk to being an entrepreneur for sure. Yes. So you had said that you grew out of the one studio, you were moving into another studio, you had your packages set from $1,200 to $2,000. So take us from there. Mm-hmm. Are, are your packages still the same? Are you, you know, how many shoots are you doing? What are you focusing on? How are you getting your clients? Like all this good stuff. Sure. So the first thing I never truly outgrew, quote unquote, the old studio. What happened was back in 2016, you remember going to Paris and doing the workshops mm-hmm. with Sue. We came home from that. And during that period that we were over there, the landlord had sold the building that I was in. And it was an older mm-hmm. building. It needed a lot of repairs. So I was very hopeful that a lot of things were going to get fixed. It turned out that they were demolishing the building and going to be rebuilding something new in its place, which was a total shock to me because I had just taken over the studio as being my own and not having to share it and had all these plans for making it what I wanted it to be. And now I'm being told that I have five weeks to find a new studio. And, you know, I had rescheduled everybody for, you know, after the return from 
France. And I'm like, I was panicking. I'm like, what am I going to do? And so I did. I kind of pounded the pavement, went out and I looked. I looked on Craigslist and classifieds. And I eventually found this place that was just getting built. And it's only a mile from my studio. uh, So just a little bit further than the last one. And the rent was right. And because it was just being built, they told me I could do whatever I wanted to the interior, which was fabulous because then I could design it exactly Mm -hmm. the way that I wanted to, to create it. So I I moved into there, and then I had to take a look at my prices again because what I was charging at that minimum rates for, for professional photography was going to get me by at the old studio, but it was not going to get me by because my rent now increased by three. So it, it more, than, more than doubled. Wow. And then I also was responsible for utilities and, and everything else, you know, internet, everything there. And so I'm like, I have to increase my prices again. So I did, but I just did it incrementally. I think I went from 1200 to 1500 Okay, being my smallest package. And that was actually my pricing for the last four years now. I just renewed my pricing recently, but only for on the boudoir side of it. Everything else is exactly the same as when I moved in because I only raised it enough to compensate for all the new expenses. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I'll have to eventually look at that again. Yeah, um, I think but you should. It covers everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And, you know, it's it's like it's the, the further along you get in this, you would think that it would get easier. And it does in some respects, but there's still that self-doubt that creeps in every now and then. Yeah, totally. I get it too. I just raised my yeah. prices for the first time in like three years. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> right. You know, but you have to. Yeah. Because, you know, cost of living goes up. You do want to have those extra savings, especially for times like this, mm-hmm. where the economy right now is just everything's on kind of a a slippery slope. So, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to be at a point where I have savings and I have some money in an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. But that would not have been the case if I had not raised my prices. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Like, have you always had savings and, you know, retirement fund and that sort of thing? I'm terrible with money. I've been terrible with money all my life. Mm, It's like, if I have it, I'm going to spend it. Mm -hmm, Me too. So I've never, ever been a saver. And it's only been, I would say, you know, since Subarice Education, you know, came out online that I actually had to take a good look at it and look at my habits, my spending habits. And it was, it was one of those, you know, when they say you, you kind of self-soothe, retail therapy was kind of my way to self-soothe. So if I was in a stressful uh, time in my life, I would just spend um, because it made me feel better. And I I am still a bit of an overspender, especially when it comes to the studio now, more so than my personal life. But I've learned now that I can't do that. I need to save it. And the more I save, the more freedom I'm going to have. So it's only been within the last year now. Isn't it a game changer? It is a huge game changer. I am so not stressed right now Mm -hmm. where a year ago or even two years ago, I'd be freaking out. Yeah, I'm the same. If you're not on the Sue Bryce Education website, Sue talks a lot about money and how to change your thought process with money and the energy that comes with the guilt and shame around charging and accepting money and doing in-person selling and all of that. And I know for me, that has been completely life-changing. Yes. And yeah, it sounds like it's been the same for you. 
It has. And, you know, just that peace of mind has, has just lifted that weight off my shoulders because it was kind of that, that month by month mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like, am I going to be able to pay rent? Am I going to be able to, you know, pay for my phone this month and, right. and things like that? So just even, you know, not even so much having to raise prices, it's just being mindful of where that money is going. Right. And it wasn't until Sue that I even heard about, you know, saving, you know, this third goes back into your business, this mm-hmm. third goes to taxes, and this third goes to me because I do need to pay myself. You know, I can't just stay in that business fund to spend. I I need fund money. Right. Too. I need I right. have my own personal expenses. I never did that. And yeah. now I have that and I actually have added to that now. Um so now I have a home fund. Um, and that is for um, my third studio, which <laughs> I'm hoping will happen. But that idea is I we kind of want to take a look at the possibility of what a twin home is going to do for us, where we are living on one half and my studio is on the other half. Yeah. Um, so oh, that would be I've so kind of cool. started that home fund yeah. to start squirreling away money where where I can furnish it and pay for the property taxes or what what have you. Right. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So kind of coming full circle, I would love to bring that back into my home. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. So that's the way I can do it and still keep it separate. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you had said you raise your prices. Are you still at the like packages or did you switch that up or what is pricing like for you now? I am. Yeah. I am. I still offer a la carte, so images start at $295, and then my packages start at $1,500. Okay, gotcha. With packages that go all the way up to just shy of $4,000. Awesome. Um, That's great. So that has really been my pricing for the last, I would say, five years. Four years, excuse me. Four years. Okay. And I haven't changed it yet, so I'm going to have to take a look at what I'm going to need to do. But really that one package near the four grand is my new addition to try to raise that sales average. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've sold five of those packages since December. So it has raised my sales average a little bit. And that is just something that comes with a lot of perks Mm -hmm. because I needed to find a way that would make it an easy sell for me, not so much my clients, because if I believe in it, then I'll be able to sell it. Right. That's such a good point. So you just raised like the value of it with adding more to it? I did. Yep. So up until that point, my top package was 20 images. And with Boudoir and with Generations, they're buying more than 30 images. So I'm figuring, why don't I just create a package with 30 images or more? And so I did create a 30-image package. I call it my Black Label Collection. And that comes with all of the things that, when reworded, sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really nothing more than a gift voucher for it with a little bit more of a print credit attached to it. So they get their next session or future sessions complimentary up for one person and a makeover. They can bring a plus one. So like Sue's double makeover, mm-hmm. they can bring a person in their hair and makeup is covered. That is also included. And then I do charge a little bit extra for a Saturday. And that's only because my hair and makeup artist also does weddings and I have to compete with that. Mm-hmm. So I do pay her a little bit more to come in on a Saturday, but that says that Addition is waived for a Black Label member. 
And then they get a print credit, a $500 print credit to spend on any future package. Oh, that's great. On that. So, so, and that's ongoing. So I drew up these little plastic cards that have all the perks on the back um, so they can stick it in their wallet and use it as like a little status symbol, you know, kind of like the American Express black card. Oh, that's you know, so smart. Like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, cool. so they can show all their friends going on black label member at because they do get a little <laughs> bit awesome. of addicted mm-hmm. to photo shoots. You know, they come in and and they do a family one. They're like, oh, maybe now I want to come do one for myself. Yes. Or now maybe I want to do one with my own husband and kids. And so they know that when they come back, they're not paying that session fee again. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's huge for them. Yeah. So that's been one way that I've been able to increase that sales average. Very cool. I want to talk a little bit about just being in Fargo in a small town. I don't think the population is huge there, right? Not at all. Yeah. yeah. It's bigger than a lot of small towns, but it is certainly not like a bustling metro. No. Right. So how are you getting your clients the most? I know word of mouth is big for you, but how are you doing it? Where are they coming from? Yeah. So so I think about 40% are coming locally here in Fargo. So when we talk about Fargo area, that's really three cities. It's Fargo, Moorhead, and West Fargo. And combined, we create a larger city. And that's only because we're butted up next to each other. But I would say more than half of my clients are coming from the small rural towns around us. Really? So Fargo is pretty widespread. We have what's called urban sprawl. Nothing gets built up. It all gets built out. And so the people coming to me are coming from towns 20, 30, 60 miles away with maybe 2,000 people in their towns or less. Okay. Because word spreads. And if anybody listening is from a small town, you know (laughs) they will find anything to do. Right. Yes. Because they don't have reasons to get dressed up and go somewhere, and they don't want to drive into the city to do it all the time. And when they do, they just want to make a, a weekend right. out of it. That's such a good point. It is. And I kind of look back at my mindset when I started thinking, you know, nobody in Fargo is going to come to me. I didn't even think in my wildest dreams that these small little farming communities would be my biggest clients. Mm-hmm. And they're spending big because, you know, agriculture, there's a lot of money in that too. And they, again, don't have really a whole lot of things to spend their money on. So they're going to spend it on portraits well, or just yeah. a fun day out or the experience is really you know, especially the mother and daughter and the generations, it's just spending that time together Mm -hmm. that's valuable to them. That's such a good point. And a lot of women, small town or not, want to feel beautiful. They want to have beautiful photographs. They want that experience of getting their hair and makeup done and dressing up. Just because people live in a small town doesn't necessarily mean that they won't spend the money on it or that they won't do it and that they're not interested in it. So that's such a good point that you bring up. And I'm finding that they value it even more because they don't do it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Where the people here in Fargo, you know, a woman wants to go out and to happy hour or go out dancing or have a nice dinner out, they can dress up for that and do it and be home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the women that are coming in from out of town, they have to plan around yeah, that. Yeah. So it doesn't happen very often. So having that opportunity or taking that opportunity to do it is a big deal for them. Yeah. And, you know, not even just these small, you know, because Fargo is a pretty sparsely populated state. 
there's not a lot of options anywhere. And even though Fargo is not the capital, it's probably one of the largest metro areas in North Dakota. So I have women that are driving from six, eight hours away. Wow. And spending the weekend in Fargo to do their photo shoot and maybe do a little bit of shopping and then traveling back to their hometown afterwards. Yeah, I can relate to this on a personal level because we moved from Seattle to Michigan. I mean, Seattle is obviously a hugely populated city. And where I'm at now, the population of my town is between two and 3,000. I have to look at exactly, but it's between two and 3,000 people where I live now. Yeah. I mean, to get to a grocery store, I'm driving 25 minutes one way. Right. So I can relate now. It's like for my husband, just to get for me to get dressed up to go out to dinner for a date, we're an hour drive to out to Ann Arbor. Like it's not easy to find, you know, places to go to where we can get dressed up. And I'm not a real fancy person, so it's not very often. But if I do want that, like you said, it's planning. It is. It's finding a sitter for more than two hours because we've got two hours just to go back and forth. So it does. It makes so much sense why small town women want this experience. They do. They do. So I I, I learned early on to not dismiss those small town atmospheres. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, you know, again, one of my biggest fears back, you know, when I was starting was uh, this, my area is saturated with photographers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody that's charging this and I, there, there's no way I can make a living off of that. So I can't compete with that. And I'm not quite sure when the light bulb hit on that, but as soon as I stopped worrying about what other people were doing and just wanted to give women this experience, everything changed. Yeah. Solid advice. And then they were telling their friends and they were, and their friends were telling their friends and then they were sharing things on social media. And then I would be getting all these calls to come see the studio or have a consultation from people from the same small town. So it has been kind of a running joke now when I have a consultation with somebody, I'll ask them if they're from that small town, just <laughs> thinking the answer is going to be no, right? And they're like, I am. <laughs> and my reveal wall is no longer, I don't use it as a reveal wall anymore, but I put all of my merited images mm-hmm. up there. So it's kind of like just a little you know, showroom or a gallery where they can see different types of work. And they'll point out, oh, I know her, and I know her. Oh, way. that's <laughs> and awesome. I, oh, and, and this is this is how I heard about you from her and stuff. So they know each other and they talk. And I hate to say it, but small towns are also a little competitive. Mm-hmm. So if a woman comes in and she looks fantastic and she had a great time, you know there's probably 10 other women in that town that said, I can do it better than that. See, I love that you're (laughs) like, yeah, you're (laughs) leveraging the small town benefits. And I love that. Yes. It's so smart. And just that word of mouth is priceless Mm -hmm. um, because they're telling everybody that that this is the go-to photographer. Yep. Oh, that's absolutely. So smart. I love it. I love that you're doing that. So how many shoots are you doing on average per month? On average, about 12 shoots a month. Wow, that's great. I'm averaging about three shoots a week. And then the the rest of the time, of course, is doing phone consultations or studio tours so that they can come in and see everything. Uh, I'm also doing fitting appointments too. So about three is about all I can take. That's and a lot. I'm only yeah. testing those waters recently. And I'm finding it's really hard to keep up. 
mm-hmm. with those three shoots a week. Well, you just said you're doing fitting appointments and studio tours yes. and in-person reveals. Are you know if we're out of town, I'm assuming you're doing Skype. No, they're actually still driving. Oh, they in are driving in. Okay, cool. Because they want that. They want that experience. Very few times I've done a Zoom reveal, and that is either they can't make it work with their schedule, or we've had a blizzard, <laughs> and they still want to see their images. They right. just can't drive in. Right. So I, I will make those, but most of the time they want to come back and do it in person. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just because it's again another excuse to get out of their town. Yeah. The, all that adds up though, time wise. I mean. All of those different appointments. Yeah, I can see how that could be a bit oh, overwhelming to do. Yeah. Yes, it does. So, I mean, because they're still culling and preparing mm-hmm. images for the retoucher mm-hmm. and creating their reveal videos mm-hmm. and marketing in social media. And it does, it gets a little bit overwhelming. But I've kind of, I've come up with like this, what works for me, just kind of a checklist. So after every shoot, I take these steps and then that's kind of out of you know, my to-do list until I get the images back from the retoucher, then I have the rest of the list to finish. So I do have kind of a system that kind of keeps me going. The only sacrifice I'm making right now is really family, which is, you know, heartbreaking uh, because I wish I had more time for it. But um, I'm working on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That balance, man. It can be, it can be hard. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, yeah, thank you yeah. for sharing, you know, your whole story with us and you just have such a great positive attitude and you've come so far and and I hope people can listen and look at how you can leverage wherever you are and where you live regardless if it's a small town or a big town or whatever. There's always a way to look at how you can make it work wherever you live. So I appreciate that you shared all that with us. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on the on the podcast. This has been fun. You're not off the hook yet, though. You're not off the hook okay. yet. Because <laughs> I have questions that I ask every guest at the end, and I'm hoping that you'll answer them for us as well. Okay. So the first question is, what's something that you can't live without when you're shooting? Ooh, something that I can't live without when I'm shooting. So somebody asked me that here a while ago, and I remember rattling off all these things that I can't live without uh, mm-hmm. to shoot. But when I reflected on that later, I realized there's those things are just things that I became comfortable with mm-hmm. and I didn't really need them. So if, I mean, today I had to go out and shoot and I wasn't prepared, all I need and something I couldn't live without is natural light mm. and a reflector. Mm-hmm. As long as I have those two things, you know, camera and lens aside, those are the two things that I would need to shoot. I haven't really taken the time to learn studio lighting much. That is something in the works, but um, I know without the natural light, I would probably not get the results that I wanted with studio lighting. Yeah. So absolutely yeah. natural light and a reflector. Okay, cool. And number two, how do you spend your time when you aren't photographing? <laughs> I know. I, I, I have a feeling um, you're going to say, um, you go to 80s so, rock concerts, right? <laughs> I do. I do. But that's, you know, that's few and far between. Um, so I'm a workaholic, obviously, which is really polar opposite of what I was like when I was in my 20s and 30s. It was more, you know, partying and socializing and having fun. But that has changed now, the older that I get. And now I've found something that I really, truly love. So when I'm not shooting, I mean, right now I'm calling images, preparing them for the retoucher, 
creating videos, creating marketing pieces, updating social media, tweaking my website, attending networking events, answering emails and phone calls, doing consultations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not a lot of time left for me and my family. (laughs) Um, But I'm working on that, like I said. But I do, when I see certain things that come up for events in the area, um, like yesterday, it was announced that the Glenn Miller Orchestra is coming to Fargo. That's something that I feel that my family needs to see. So I bought tickets and we do do a lot of concerts because we want to give that experience to our kids. And whenever, you know, at least once a year, we're also traveling. Cool. Awesome. All right. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Ooh, um, well, I have, can I give you three? Yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) Go for it. So I have two printed by my computer that I look at every day and they're the ones that kind of keep me grounded. One is unknown um, who the author is, but it's sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Mm, I, I love, love that. that one yes. for the fact that you never really fail. You just learn a lesson and it's how you apply that lesson is whether or not you're going to succeed or not. Totally. So I love having that one in front of me. The other one that I have in front of me is don't deliver a product, deliver an experience. Mm, Again, mm-hmm. unknown. Mm-hmm. And that Just keeps me, you know, especially like in times like this where we get a little nervous or stressed about where the money is going to come from and things like that. We kind of tend to focus on, you know, money and because we need to pay our bills and we need to do things like that. But I don't want that to carry over into the experience that I'm providing for my clients. So that one just kind of keeps me grounded. Don't deliver a product, deliver an experience. But my favorite, favorite quote is actually a Native American proverb. And this is the one that just really kind of speaks to me. It says, listen to the wind, it talks. Listen to the silence, it speaks. Listen to your heart, it knows. And that's the one that really kind of, every time I say it, I get goosebumps. Because I never followed my heart. When I was growing up, it was always, you know, what can I do? I need to do it perfectly. I am competing against everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just my competitive nature. But I just need to relax and listen and hear what it is that my heart is leading me towards. Mm -hmm. So that one just really grounds me. Yeah, that's a beautiful quote, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started in this business? Oh, just getting started. Um, I guess if I could go back seven years and when I was first starting photography, I'd probably tell myself just to follow my heart and enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Since I was little, like I just said, I've always kind of strived to do things perfectly and be the best at everything, but it really never made me happy. Uh, so if I could tell people just starting out now that I'm older and relatively wiser, um, (laughs) I just realized that life is too short to sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm. So just do what you can, when you can, and just do it to the best of your ability. Success just doesn't happen overnight. All we can do is just take small steps towards it every day and just keep following our heart down that path. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Very, very wise advice, that's for sure. One last question for you. Where can we find you? You can find, well, other than behind a laptop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On, online you, you can, is what I meant. Where can we find you online? 
You can find me at, um, I have two domains, one for portraits and family at FargoPortraits.com. And my boudoir photography can be found at FargoBoudoir.com. Oh, nice. I love that you included the city in there. That's really smart. I'm sure for Google purposes. Yeah, it has nothing to do. I mean, those domains are not tied to my business name at all, mm-hmm. but it's easier for people to spell. Right. Um, and it's also using those keywords. Yeah, I love that. So I do get a lot of traffic through SEO and web, my website. Yeah, that makes sense. What about on Instagram and Facebook? Are you those as well? Or are you something different? Uh, no, they're the same thing. So Instagram, my first one, my portraits is still my former business name, kind of. So that is Art by Bethany. And then the Fargo Boudoir is Fargo Boudoir. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're such a busy lady. So thank you for taking time out to speak to us and to our listeners. And yeah, I just love talking with you. So thank you so much. I love talking with you too. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.